North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Well, hello again, Damien. Hello, Gary. How are you going, mate? Yeah, no, very good. Yeah, looking forward to another interview today. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to I think we're going to have a good yarn today. That's what I like, um, hearing a few good stories. But before we get on to that, I just want to um, shout out to the guy that does our editing for us, Luke Braxton, mm. one of the most talented men, and he just um, – he takes what we do here and he puts it online and he does all that work for us. It's like little gremlins and things just appear. But So I just want to shout out to Luke Braxton. Thanks very much for what he does and um, all that hard work. Yeah, no, always appreciate it. Yeah, but we got a hard-working man in today. He's a farmer, he's a hunter, he's a fisherman. He plays tennis at a high level. He's an all-round legend, North Otago legend. John, welcome to the podcast today. How you doing? Yeah, good to be here. Yep. So, yeah, it's a very warm welcome to you, John McDonald. So uh, really looking forward to hearing some great tales from you today. Yeah, well, I hope we don't run out of too many stories. <laughs> but uh, you ask the questions and I'll see if I can uh, elaborate on them. Yeah. Well, right. the most important question is, were you born in North Otago and, or when did you shift here? Yeah, I've been here all my life, born in, in uh, Omaru, um, way back in 1936. So uh, born to a farming family, um, and we, but we always found time um, for sport. And uh, I think farming has got away from that a wee bit in, in, the, in these years now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of demands on people's time these days, and, yeah, they can't always get to, you know, do do some of those things, but you 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 grew up in North Otago, so you went to uh, what well, your school out at Papakaya, was it? Yes, I started school. Um, I was born in thirty six, so I, it was middle of the war or early days of the war. Um, money wasn't very plentiful around our our part of our world. Um, both mother and father struggled uh, with finance. Um, and uh, I had to go to school at Hildethorpe. Um, we were on Fury Road, and the boundary was Fury Road between Papakaya and Hildethorpe. We lived on the Hildethorpe side, so I was designed, had to go to Hildethorpe School with the seven pupils. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, that was uh, a big crowd for me because uh, I'd come from, from the farming world, where we didn't see too many people. So, and I, and I walked to school two, two and a half miles there, two and a half miles home every day. So, um, so one one household on the way to school, and that was the Duncan family. And uh, I often took leave and went there because I knew there would be something to eat, <laughs> and it broke the journey. Yeah. So you just did that walk on your own every day? You were expected to get yourself... From yes. from the um, your back door to the front door of school and back again. Yes, yeah. no, I thought nothing. That was just we did that in those days. Yep, and rain, hail, snow. You yep. just walked to school. Yeah, go there. Yeah, 
That's so, um, and I enjoyed school because I was the, the youngest one in, at the, attending. Um, you got to remember that it was went to Form 2 and then you went to high school. So um, it covered a, a big range of, of ages. Yep. But, so did they ever have a bus run that... Did they introduce one along the way, or was it always the school? Um, carried on with seven pupils, um, and my sister Heather, she started school eighteen months later, um, and uh, we decided we'd go to Papakaio. So we were on the wrong side of the boundary. We were told that, but um, my mother and father wouldn't back off, so we went to Papakaio. That was three and a half miles to walk. <laughs> and my, my sister got a bike and I still walked. Right. So, um, but I used to run as, as a child mm. and uh, it, that's what I did, yes. So um, I went to Papakai School yeah, with 19 pupils. So uh, that took a bit of adjusting. <laughs> Into the big time there. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, but in those days, it was primer one to standard six. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it was a big, big age group difference. Mm. Um, but there we are. And of course, it was war years. So uh, that had quite an influence. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of locals <coughs> away at the war. Um, there'd be a lot, lot would be farming, so they yes. would be um, um, exempt from. The closest we got that. to war, attending war, was uh, home guard. Right. And my father used to attend home guard, and um, I think they spent more time kicking a rugby ball around <laughs> or <laughs> trying to catch a fish, not legally, illegally. <laughs> um, and that was how they filled the day in. Wow. Right. So, uh, so they're meant to be there training and learning and they're all... Learning to put a rifle on your shoulder. But they're all farmers. They all knew how to put a rifle on their shoulder anyway, I'm assuming. Of course. They could yes. teach the army something about putting a <laughs> rifle on their shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, it was time out and uh, they, they had a job to do, so that was... Yep. That was yeah. Oh, very good. So, so you went uh, went through. So, Papakaya School with its nineteen pupils, um, be really hard to make up too many teams for a lot of sports. But we were you involved in different sports yes, through that time. Yes, we played tennis. Uh, of course, I remember that all those small areas like the Papakaya, Almoco, um, not so much Hurlthorpe, um, had teams in the tennis every Saturday, and that, it was a must to go to some sort of sport uh, in those days. And um, Waitaki Bridge was always a challenge. Almoco was always a challenge. Uh, Hildethorpe lacked a number of people. So it was a small district, so mainly it was Picuri. And Hildethorpe used to make up the, the numbers there. Right. So it was it was great times. But no money. Um and uh, we relied on getting money from sources that are not about nowadays, like the rabbits. Yeah. You always catch a rabbit and sell a rabbit. I, we, I used to breed ferrets from a young age and sell the ferrets. And um, 
it, it was a busy time. Were the ferrets sold as pets or were they sold to keep the number of rabbits down to farmers? Rabbits. Yeah, so those yeah. sold to yes. keep, yeah. Yes. Every Sunday was rabbit day at our place. Yep. And we would take the car, um, or sometimes there were two horses. Yep. Uh, depending on the availability of fuel. Um, and um, we would go down and catch some, somewhere between 20 and 40 rabbits on a Sunday. And then catch them in a snare or shoot them ferrets. Oh, the ferrets, yep, with, with the, the ferrets, ferrets. yep, put the ferret in the hole, and then the, and the rabbit comes out, you grab it into a net, yep, and yeah, so kill the rabbit. And then in those days, a fellow by the name of O'Donnell came down and bought the, the rabbits that we caught on a Sunday, right? For, for the meat. <laughs> For the meat, yep. yes. And he had a butcher shop and used to sell rabbits right. over the counter. And they were generally caught by McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> rabbits. Yeah. My father was a hunter. Yeah. He just loved hunting, whether it was fer- ferreting for rabbits or trapping for rabbits or yeah. anything like that. It was. Do you think that ferreting for rabbits could work nowadays with the numbers and helping keeping things down, or is it just easier to shoot them with a spotlight? Yeah, it was different. Yeah. Uh, the rabbits were before irrigation. It was dry land. Yeah. And the rabbits lived mainly in holes. Yeah. And, and what we call a warren. And there, there could be 10 or a dozen rabbits in that warren. Yep. Uh, or and then we put nets over the, the hole, put the ferret in the hole, yeah. and the ferret would chase the rabbit out yeah. into the net. So that was a dead rabbit for us. Yeah. And it was generally two shillings a pair of rabbits, what we'd get from, from the Mr. O'Donnell from Tamaru. Yeah. But we could use – I could go to woodwork um, – on the on the train from Papakaya. is this into Omaru? Into Omaru, yeah. And and we were taught how to hammer a nail, saw a bit of wood, and all that sort of thing. And that was woodwork. And the girls used to go to cooking. And it was form one and two, standard five and standard six. Yep. Um, so it was a big day. To get on the be there early to get on the train that had come down from Kurao, yeah, and in Tomaru, and then we had to be on the train at four o'clock because the train was going to Kurao again. Ah, so that train stayed in Kurao for the night. The next morning, do the same trip. So it was a daily service from Kurao to Omaru on the train. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, not Saturdays and Sundays. No, but work days. Do you remember how long it took to get from Papakaya into into the school? Uh, no, I don't remember. Not, not very long. No. No. But um, it stopped close enough to the school or stop at the station and you'd have to run to school? Stop at the station that's there today. Yeah. Yes. And then walk around to the middle school, school where that was the public hospital in those days. Okay. And um, that was... Got to get that right. Um Yes, it was 
not the hospital. It no, was this middle, middle school. Yeah, so it's a hospital yeah, now. Hospital and now. Yeah, back in the day. Was, station, yeah. Yeah. So you used to have South School and North School, and that was the middle school. Okay, yes. yeah. yeah. So, um, and it was great times. Um, you met other people, which we didn't have the opportunity to do very often yep. in those days because it was war years. And um, yeah, it was a challenge. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a good introduction to at least know some more kids when you went off to high school. Eventually. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think it was a good, people going from Hildethorpe to high school, it was a marathon uh, of change. Yeah. But from Papakaya, 19 children, we, we got accustomed to mixing with other people. Yeah. And uh, it was it was quite a challenge. Yeah. But I biked. I this, uh, when we went to uh, secondary school, Waitaki boys in my case, I biked to school. Yeah. Because I wanted to play tennis and I wanted to play rugby. Yeah. And I couldn't do that as a bus boy mm. because we had to be on the bus at four o'clock and it was sprint. So I really didn't get that cobbery with the day boys. I was more cobby with all the borders. Okay. And I found that was quite wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it would have been a um, pretty big role back then, was it, to Waitaki Boys? Waitaki Boys, I can't remember. Yeah. There was plenty of football teams and yeah. pe- people playing tennis. So uh, that was the important thing in my life. Yeah. <laughs> so you went through Waitaki Boys. What level did you make it to in sport? Did you play for the first or did you leave school before then? And or what about tennis? Did you win the few cups out there? or No, no, none of that nonsense. Ah. No. Um, I left Waitaki Boys High School uh, after being there for 18 months um, because my father took ill. Ah. So it was John come home and... Uh, I had to start farming, so uh, it was not. It wasn't my choice. It was something we had to do. Yeah. Yes. So you basically that was fourth form. Fourth form. Yeah. Yes, and I didn't see that year out. Right. Because That's... it was lambing time, and uh, so I was head shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. So Good that form. was it. That was your start of your working career. You. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So tell us about the farm. You were you're farming sheep, and yes. how, how big was the farm? How many sheep did you have? Eight hundred acres. Yep. Um, and uh, it was the old homestead of the steward settlement, and that was owned by a fellow by the name of MacPhail, and he was based at St Kevin's College. So it was the old homestead, the old old house, and the big wool shed. 20-odd portholes, and uh, that took in the whole of the steward settlement of the plains. Mm. And that was from St Kevin's College to the mouth of the Waitaki River and as far inland as Almoco. Wow. So it was quite a, I can't remember the acreage, but it was was a big acreage. It was a big farm. Mm. So you you took over from your dad and um, you had to be the... The worker on the farm um, would have been very dry land then. Obviously, it was before yes. irrigation one came sheep, in. One sheep to the acre. Yeah, <laughs> eight hundred acres, eight hundred sheep. <laughs> pretty bony ground. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, that was probably the most wonderful thing that happened in my farming world, and that was irrigation. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So that was the open irrigation that come down. 
Is that the one? Uh, the creation, lower Waitaki. But, yeah, the Lower Waitaki yeah, scheme. Yeah. yeah. We were fortunate um, in the fact that there was a steward settlement water race yep. that went through part of our property. So Dad, my father, he went to the council to see if we could take water out of that race because it was desperately dry uh, climate that year and we got permission to use water there. So we were one of the first to use water for irrigation on the plains. Mm. That would have been um, probably a bit of a saviour during those dry years. It was green grass. Yeah. (laughs) You would have been the envy of all your neighbours. Yes, yes, yes. But acreage, most farms were around 800 acres. So you were in 800 or 1,000 sheep. Yeah. Um, and that was it. You milked a cow, and um, yeah, that was that's what we got. We were born to. Mm. It wouldn't work today. No, 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 no it doesn't. No. no, and and rabbits were a, a bane, weren't they? Back then, you know, they were yeah, yeah, a real problem for, for us. It was uh, a bit, a bit of a bonus because we could we could get two shillings a pair for rabbits. Yeah. And um, I used to breed ferrets yep. and sell the ferrets, 15 shillings for a doe and a, a one pound for a duck. Quite, yeah, quite the entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I used to breed around about 50 to 60 rabbits, uh, yeah. 50 to 60 ferrets yeah. every year. Oh, wow. So I had a wee bank balance and that's money went into that. Yeah. And we go back to woodwork. That was my mother would give me one shilling, and that was to get my lunch. Yeah. And my lunch was at Alan Norse. Uh, he had a ice cream shop, and we had a milkshake, and a pie, and we used to get a biscuit with the pie, um, and uh, then we would go along to Adam Mackay. And get, had tuppence left, so we get tuppence worth of spicked fruit. Oh, is that right? So it would be a rap, an apple or a banana or something like that. So it would have been a good day coming into town and <laughs> it was riding big, the train and getting all the food and then shooting home again. It would have been a great day. Big occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. And so you've, I know you've stuck with tennis because I know you you still play a wee bit now, is that correct? And you play a bit of Masters and you're quite involved. Um, tell us a wee bit about your tennis journey and how far you've gone and, you know, I think your your name's probably on a few trophies around North Otago here and there, I see. Yeah, about the trophy thing, I don't think was too important for me because no. there was always somebody there who could beat me. Yeah. But that was the challenge. Yeah. So there was, there was the odd uh, I was very fortunate to have Sid Hurst and Collie Hurst. Yep. They really looked after me in, this, in, in, in life, really. Yep. Um, and Shearing was one of those that those two gentlemen made available for me. And tennis was a, another one. Yep. Both those gentlemen good tennis players yep. and, and my father was a good tennis player so I had a little circle there that really helped and gave me an advantage over a lot of other people my age yep. so and I still work on that tennis only three times a week now though 
only three times a week. <laughs> that's that's not yeah. bad for someone who's uh, quite you know got got life experience like you've got without mentioning any ages but yeah. you've been around for a while and, yeah. and to still yeah. be running around a yeah. tennis court it's pretty impressive yeah. well I'm only 86 so it's only yeah yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like like mixing with young people that's for me especially in the tennis world is real, real, real bonus in life mm. yeah yeah so just now it's three times a week and um People put up with me. Sometimes I hit a winner, sometimes I hit the net. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all good. Yeah. So mostly down at the te- the lawn grass courts. courts. Yeah. Grass courts. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I consider those grass courts my courts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if you've been playing that long, probably could name them officially after you now, really. Yes. No, it's, it's a wonderful facility. And, um, but the numbers of people playing tennis is a bit disappointing. Mm. Yeah. It's a difficult game. Yeah. And um, most people like winning, and sometimes winning is quite difficult on a tennis court. Yeah. But um, there we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, you've, what, what, what would you say has been your greatest achievement in, in tennis over the years? Is it, I mean, for many, it would be just still being able to play at 86 years old, to be fair. But yeah, uh, yeah. What, what's been your biggest achievement? Turning up every Saturday. And every Sunday mm-hmm. for a game of tennis, and Wednesdays are a reserve because I play at Dr. Andrew Wilson's there every Wednesday night with a different group of people, and um, they put up with me. And sometimes I hit a winner, and sometimes I hit one over the net. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <laughs> yeah, but um, sport has been a wonderful thing in, in our life. Yeah, yep. um, I played rugby. Old boys, <coughs> and um, lucky to have good coaches. Yep. And uh, I got played for North Otago from 56 to 59, and then I got concussion, uh, so I gave the game away and uh, took on refereeing. Ah. Oh. And, That's uh, right. You spent quite a bit of time refereeing, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah, met some great people. Yep. Um, and some of those people I still class as real good friends. Yeah. So um, that's just wonderful. Yeah. So you travelled out of town to ref as well, or did you mainly just do the local games? Yeah. For me, uh, when I travelled, that was a real bonus. Yep. And I had a period where I, I did a lot of travelling. Yep. And I think I refereed on every major ground in New Zealand. Yep. But Eden Park escaped me. Oh, did it? That was a, always Eden Park I wanted. To right. Do, but I never got it. Yeah. So um, it was it was wonderful. But no, I met some wonderful people and uh, some a lot of people helped me in, in the refereeing world. Yep. Yeah. That's important, yeah. It is important. Yeah. And my wife was involved because she could come with me to uh, those those games that I refereed out of town. And uh, my mother used to be the babysitter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great period in, in, in our life. Of, yeah. And you get on well with uh, the players over the years, particularly those, you know, in those big games? Yeah, generally the winning team thought I was all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> 
You would have refereed a few All Blacks in your day then that went on, you know? Yeah, yes. Anyone you can remember or any funny stories about misbehaving All Blacks on the rugby field? No, the All Blacks don't do that. No. no. Well said. Yeah. Um, no, I had a great run and uh, didn't have too many problems. So, um, and it was help from other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. We, our appointment board, we had a Rolly Co. Um, he was in charge of things out at Bakuri at Fishing Works. And uh, he certainly uh, looked after me in the refereeing world. Yeah. And uh, Keith Gorn was another one that really looked after me, and he was a top referee in, in New Zealand at that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of people opened doors for me. Yeah. And uh, I appreciated that all the way through. Yeah. 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 Oh, good on you, you know, not only playing the sport but then giving back, you know, through refereeing. It's pretty important. Yeah, I never considered giving back. Yeah. Uh, I was still taking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I mean, we, I don't think we appreciate referees and, and you know, officials in games as much as we should. So um, anyway, no, well done for doing what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it wasn't easy because it was time out. And I had Stuart, my brother, at home. So he had to carry the can in that period of, of the year where I was refer- refereeing. Yeah. Um, so I was one of the foundation members of the golf club, the Waitaki Golf Club, um, but I didn't play golf because it was my turn to look after things at home. Ah, oh, so you let Stuart go Stuart, play. Stuart did most yeah. of the golf. Right. So it was a good marriage. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Sharing of responsibilities. Uh, yes, yeah. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, and the Lower Waitaki Golf Club, another great legacy. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and those people that kicked that, that facility into gear uh, are still there. And it's it's really wonderful, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. And I've played very occasionally with golf. <laughs> it's like I said, it, 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 low attack is really good because it's nice and flat, and you can find the ball a wee bit easier than oh, some right. of the other ones. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a great facility, and it's um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great addition. And I think you know when you look at the facilities that Papakaia area has, you know, you, you, the community there has done really good. Yeah. Obviously, you've yeah. been a big part of that along the way. Yeah. Um, yes, no doubt about that. But it's what you make it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people they don't extend themselves to go and do something, mm. and I believe it's worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and I think we'd agree, and this is part of what the podcast is is for people in this district who have extended themselves, and we've interviewed some really good people that um, sometimes fly under the radar, but like yourself, but who've just extended themselves and they've just gone and been part of the community or they've given back to the community or just done something really good just because that's what you do. And, um, yeah, you've farmed in the community, you've, you know, you played tennis. You, If anyone has picked up a tennis racket in North Otago should know your name and, yeah, yeah. and has probably had a rally or two against you in their lifetime and, um, yeah, and refereeing. So it's, it's really good. It's good to... Good to see people, you know, yeah. giving to the community. Yeah. 
you can't do those things on your own that we've achieved. Um, you've got your family. Yep. And I had wonderful support from Ellie and, 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 and our children. And my brother Stuart, he was always there. Um, and it was give and take. Yep. Um, and I took my share of give. But um, that, that's what it's about, yeah, yeah. One of the things we touched on before was irrigation and, you know, that's probably been the real making of the Papakaya area. Um, was, was no Waikaki area, yeah. 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 So, so you'd got some water early on, but um, at what point did the La Waitaki scheme actually really kick, you know, get kicked underway and um, start happening? Yes. Um, I think we all recognised how important it was to grow grass. And in those drought years that um, we would rather forget, but they were there. And when we started irrigating, there was an irrigation scheme of a farm up at Almoco. And um, we took a lot of notice of that. And that was the only green grass on the Lower Waitaki was that irrigation farm. Mm. So people are great imitators of, of what happens. Yeah. And that was the start that we saw. And we got that wee bit of water from the Waitaki District Council. Um, and that gave us a start. Yeah. So um, when Doug Hood arrived with the graders and the carryalls and all those sort of things, I thought that was just wonderful. But there was a leadership from the top, and that was Uncle Sid. Yeah. 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 He, he, was, he was a great man, and he seemed to get people to follow him, and it was all very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was certainly visionary and, um, you know, not, a, not an easy task, but, uh, you know, certainly Sid, you know, gets mentioned a lot around the... the the leadership that he showed yes. at that time. Yeah. yeah. And he was also a very good tennis player. Right. Yeah. So that was a challenge for McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so, um, yeah, the, the the scheme itself originally was the government funded that, didn't yes, they? Yes, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was the whole community was responsible for the success of it. And, and if people lost, lose sight of that, how important it is. Yeah. But it couldn't be done on its own. It had to have the support. And we certainly got that. And in that period, it, 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 it helped that Papakaya area because we built the community centre from an old hall that I was chairman of. And um, it's a bit, with the support of like of Ian Hurst and those sort of people. Mm. Um, we built that community centre and uh, the old tennis courts, they were pretty tired. So in that same era, we put in four new tennis courts and it was just a great place to be. Yeah, it was. People positive and wanted to improve whatever we had. The school was the same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good area. Mm. Yeah, and no, it's gone strength to strength and, you know, there's – Know what the role is now. Oh, well over 100, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. Over 100. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. A wee bit different to when I went to school at Hilberthorpe. Yeah. 
because we were on the boundary road and the bus wasn't allowed to run on the boundary road. Um, and that's how crazy the world is. Yeah. But um, we made it happen. Yeah. I believe my mother went to Hildesloe a few years after you, so yes. the Biggses. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you would have known Dave Biggs, my grandfather, out yeah. there on the, as well? Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Was, and, and what was her name? Erlene? Yeah. Uh, 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 my grandmother? Or? Yeah, your grandmother. Yeah, Erlene. Erlene. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. They were a good couple. Yeah. And they made things happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jim Dennison was another name that uh, in mm. those early days, and he made his water race a, a swimming pool. Did he? And he, he blocked it off and, sw- and so we could swim. Yeah. I never swam because I was a skinny wee fella. Yeah. And I felt the cold, something terrible. So I take my t- swimming tiles with me in the towel, mm. and we would bike down to Mr. Dennison's, and I would take my swimming tiles, put them in the water, get them wet, wrap them in my towel, and put them in the back of my bag. <laughs> 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 my mother thought I was I yeah. had, had swim yeah. swimming, but I was a skinny wee fella, and I felt the cold, something terrible, and that water was cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did she ever find out? She knew. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Mums yeah. usually do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, she knew I was a skinny wee fella too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. So it must have been different, yeah, um, back in the days and after the war and everyone coming back and trying to get back on their feet and, and the community get got going again. Um, you would have noticed that, you know, growing, growing up and um, just – and then, like – the buses and cars, and, and it got busier and busier and busier to where it is now. You've probably seen a few changes in the district over the years. Yeah, massive changes. Yeah. So how do I word this? Do you think the changes for the better or 50-50 or for the worse? Do you think – because we were talking to my father the other day, and he's like, he reckoned he had the golden years. You could go hunting, you could go fishing, and it, and he didn't realise how good it was. And now, you know, you can't catch as many fish in the Waitaki and you – you know, the salmon and, you know, the white bait or the, yeah. So yeah. what do you think? You had the good years as well or do you yeah, think? Well, your father never caught all the fish. No, I, he I tried. Can, I can still catch the odd one. Yeah, you, I think you pitch <laughs> yeah. them out from under them, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. It, it was a wonderful change. Yeah. And the change happened quick. Once the war was over, I think people... They wanted to improve what we've got. Yeah. And so I used to bike to Waitaki Boys High School and bike again. Primary school, I walked to school or whatever. You wouldn't get people to do that today. No. But that was what that was our norm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but our parents had done the same thing before us. Yep. So there was, after the war, it was a massive change. And most of it was very, very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think... You know, I think if you look at farming out in that area, you know, and, and what you can do now versus what, you know, little you could do back then, mm-hmm. you're at the whim of every seasonal change. It was it was tough farming. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we knew we had to make it. Yeah. And I think that was getting a shilling for a rabbit. Uh, what could you buy for a shilling? I could put it in a pie and I could get the spec fruit 
and uh, have a bloody good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the big change. Yeah. 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 It's uh, the whole thing's positive. Yeah. Whereas before it was it was all hard work. Yeah. It's hard work. You'd, you'd you'd appreciate what you'd get because you had to work for it. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, it was just a different world. Yeah. So have you lived anywhere else? You haven't travelled or gone and lived, tried something else? You've just been a farmer all your life and lived in this district or have you tried to get away for a bit and come back? Yes, yeah, we've tried that. Uh, Ian Hurst caught the big salmon. Uh, I can't remember the date, date but it was a salmon competition. And I was with Ian, uh, and they had their boat, and I had my old boat, and I pulled up alongside, and Ian was in the, in his boat asleep. Yeah. So I put my rod over. I remember this to this day. I put the rod over, gave him a tickle up on the chest with the end of the fishing rod. Yeah. And said, "You'll never catch a fish like that." <laughs> and he says, "Oh, I had a big night." And I said, "Well, get your hook in the water." And he cast out and bang, and he got a fish. Oh. And it was the best fish caught that year. Yeah. <laughs> and that fish took him to Alaska. Right. That, that was the prize. Oh, wow. it was a trip to Alaska. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it was uh, that area. So he invited me to go with him. Yeah. Least he could do. <laughs> well, I thought that was quite something. Yeah. So the two of us took off and we had a wonderful three weeks away. Yeah. Um, and um, that was the sort of community we had, we helped one another and Ian saw fit to help John McDonald to a trip to there. So that gave me another world to look at. Yeah. So tennis was always on the agenda for me to go to Australia, to Melbourne, to see the Melbourne Cup. Tennis. So I rang Ian and said, we're going to go to Aussie, see this cup, and he said, we'll come with you. So that was the start of 17 trips to Australia. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we, we have moved around a wee bit. Yeah. And uh, Australia's a wonderful country to visit. Yeah. And the people and everything else, especially if you're involved with sport. Mm. So um, that was a great start. But that was typical of that her family. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and tra- travel makes you appreciate where you come from a lot more, doesn't it? No doubt about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and if you can go with a group of people, uh, I think that enriches your your, your experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, people you enjoy, people you get on with, people very similar. Yeah. So, would you um, beat both the boys in a game of tennis now, Ian and Doug? Do uh, you think you'd still, or do you reckon? I haven't got a choice. You have to beat them. No doubt about that. Yeah. But neither of them are playing tennis. Have they not? Are they giving yeah. it away? They're get, they're get, Too much golf. Well, I found other things to do. Yeah. And family's a big big one with, with, with that family. Yeah. And um, so I'm the survivor of that group that we had wonderful times at Papakaya. Yeah. And um, I still love hitting that tennis ball over the net. Occasionally, I hit a winner, mm-hmm. yeah. so it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, on Sunday the phone went, and uh, it was a mate of mine, and he says, "How about a game of tennis?" So I said, "I'll see you in half an hour," and that's pretty typical of what happens around our place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And it's always down the grass courts if you can. Yeah, well, the grass courts are, of course, out of commission during the winter. Oh, yeah. Because you can't play on them, but grass courts are my favourite. Yeah. But I was brought up on on those grass courts because my both parents played tennis. Yeah. And in the war years, Dad and Mum would pick us up at school, go into the farmer's co-op, get the week's groceries, and Dad would always have a game of tennis involved. During the summer, yeah. So we would have lunch or, or dinner, whatever you like, uh, at the grass courts while yeah. Dad was playing tennis. Yeah. And I was too young to uh, be anything other than a ball boy. Yeah. So um, it was the tennis racket came my way when when time was due. So it's been tennis ever since. That's great. Mm. Yeah. And I've been lucky because the three children we've had were all tennis players. They all enjoy tennis, yeah. And the grandchildren? Not so much. Not so much. No. Uh, too busy. Yeah. 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 But um, Nikki is a very good player. That's a great grandchild. Yeah. Judas, Judas' daughter. Yeah. So, uh, but no, sports for us has been a family thing. Yeah. All the way through. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And I think... That's the enrichment for me uh, is being involved as a family. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, so you had to come back onto the farm when you were uh, 15, was it? 16? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happened? Was Dad still okay then? or did Dad he came right. He came right. Yes. So he had a hernia. Yeah. And... Um, he came right, so I picked up a handpiece and shore sheep. Oh, so that's how you got into shearing sheep? Yeah. And then back onto the farm in later years? In later yeah. years, yeah. Yeah. And um, I heard of a story of two two older gentlemen out on the Waitaki River one day. Now, this is going back a year or two, and they were chasing salmon, and something happened to the boat. It got away. The rope got caught round one guy's gumboots and just about pulled him in. Now the guy was holding off the side of the jet boat as it was floating down the Waitaki River. Now... Do you know about the story? I think it's you and Dad. And um, can you tell us what happened? Well, we we survived. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the way Dad tells the story was very lucky that you did. Yeah, yeah. We've had a few frights out of that big river. river. Yeah. At the time, I had a fourteen foot canoe, yeah. plywood canoe that I built myself. Yeah, in the woolshed in spare time, and uh, double ended paddles. And that would accommodate two people. And in those days, I used to get my mother and father to drop me off at Kurao, and they would come on down to Duntroon or Waitaki Bridge and fish, and I would arrive in the canoe after floating from Kurao to yeah. Duntroon or Waitaki Bridge, whichever was the choice. Yeah. And um, that was quite an experience. And everybody said, you'll drown one day, you'll drown, but I never drowned. No. And uh, then when I was courting Aileen, my wife, and my only girlfriend probably in, in my experiences, uh, she used to come with me. Yep. And everybody says, well, the two of you all drown. And I said, well, we'll, we'll go together. <laughs> but uh, I've still got that canoe. Yep, and still got the wife. And <laughs> still got the wife, <laughs> yeah. the same woman. Yeah. And uh, she's just like me. She's just got older and slower. Yeah. And um, it takes longer to do things. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, the willow trees out there that catch you if you don't know what you're doing, isn't it? Um, yeah. 
sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. And I've been lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So just okay. going back to that story, so you were holding on the side of the jet boat, is that right? Mm. And it disappeared around the corner and left. And your dad was on an Russell, island. On an island, stuck on the island in yeah. the middle of the Waitaki. Yeah. But you must have been able to pull yourself up into the boat and got it going and got back and picked him up and yeah. don't yeah. tell the wives and uh, we'll, we'll... He was very pleased about that. Yeah. He, <laughs> <very> <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. you heard the boat, yeah. and then you come around the corner and he was like, oh, he didn't have to sleep the night on the middle of an island yeah. in the Waitaki. Yeah. Yeah. He'd, he'd be worried about how long was it going to take before someone missed him, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, yes, yeah. well, it was quite a challenge because yeah. to get back into the boat, I had to, but I got there and that was the main thing. But we've had some experiences out there in that Waitaki River, I tell you. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. You have to respect the Waitaki. And in the moment you don't, you know, it, it's so quick moving and, yeah. and it's dangerous. And with all that weed there, you have to know what you're doing and, and I guess you've been brought up on the river. It's, it's you know, every turn, I know it changes, but you know, yeah, don't, what, how it works. Know, I, I've got the saying about the Waitaki, don't get overconfident. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Respect, right. respect what is there yeah. because it is, it's a, it's a big river. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I've lost, lost a couple of mates in that river. Okay. And, uh, yeah. and jet boats. Yeah. Jet boats were never my ambition. I, I love that canoe. Yep. Um, but I've got a jet boat and a scoop boat and uh, in Hurst uh, and some of our other mates, we uh, we make up, make sure we use them. Yeah. 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 No, we're certainly pleased you survived. Yes, I'm pleased to be here too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> survived to share the story, so it's yeah. been great. Mm. Yeah. Oh, very good. Any other um, little things you've been involved with in North Otago that we, you know, so we've mentioned schooling and sports and refereeing. I forgot that about you, but, yeah, you. I remember someone telling me that you ref for quite a few years and that you were very fair and honest, but, you know, yeah, tough ref. Um, so what else in the district have you been involved with? And oh, Just people. Yeah. I think. I enjoy the company of people. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's what it is, yeah. And for some reason or other, um, we end up with a lot of friends. And money doesn't buy friends, I believe. It's the people that help people. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, very good. No, well, thank, thank you very much for coming in and sharing your stories with us today. It's It's been appreciated and it's, it's good hearing from, you know, stories from the, you know, we haven't been aware of, well, apart from the, that boating incident yeah. Damien raised, but, yeah, just just hearing some of the tales of what's happened over the years and, and you know, from the perspective of someone who's been here for so long. So, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, well, we've been lucky uh, health-wise. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's, I think, when, when, you, when you're, you're reasonably fit, uh, opportunities come, or you make opportunities come. And uh, I very seldom say, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, I'd rather have a go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good on you. Well, thank you for having a go and coming on the podcast. You have Ian Hurst to blame because he is the one who dobbed you in. And... Um, 
we went from there. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to dob anyone else in, you know, anyone else, you can let us know later and we'll we'll put the names down and see if they want to come and have a chat to us. We're always looking for a good story. Yeah, um, yeah so thank you for coming in today, John. Good, good. Yeah. No, that Ian Hurst fellow, yeah, he's a good mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the whole f- Orgo. Yeah, no, no, it's been, been been great hearing the tales. And um, obviously, you know, the Papakaua community is so close and, and you've had a lot of relationships with the, the Hearst family and, and others out there. So, yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, um, are you still recording? Yep, we're still recording. That um, I was very thankful for with the Hearst family. When I was shearing there, I, I was sure there for many, many years, um, but always on the, the, my stand. And I always considered that was my stand. Right. But Mr. Hurst Senior, that's Ian's father, Ian and Doug's father, old Mr. Hurst Senior, yeah, I'll get this right here. Yeah. He came to me and said, John, he said, you're too young to be shearing sheep. And I think I said something like, well, this is what I've chosen to do. Yeah. Yeah. So he put his hand on the catching pen door and said, don't go home at half past five. I've got a man coming to see you. So... Vince Greenie and Tom Warrington, who were sharing mates, they went home and I left in the shed on my own. Yeah. And at six o'clock there was a man come into the shed and introduced himself as Godfrey Bowen. Right. And at that stage he was employed by the New Zealand War Board to teach young people how to share sheep. He was a bit of a champion. And he was a world champion. Yeah. So... He taught me how to share the Bowen way. Wow. And that was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah. Because most people in those days would share 120 sheep a day or 130 of a good day. Uh, I went to shearing 200 sheep without any trouble at all. Yeah. Through not Godfrey Bowen, Mr. Hurst. Yes. Yeah. He, he made the opportunity. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. A cool story. So, yeah. Yeah. A great story to finish on. Yes, I think so. Yeah, thank you for that. Oh, Gary, that was good, wasn't it? It was very good. It's amazing what we find out. Yeah. Uh, different ways of catching rabbits, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> putting little furry ferrets down their holes and chasing them out. Yeah, it's just great. So, um, no, enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it was, it was good uh, just yeah. hearing those different stories and, you know, there's a very formative time in that part of the district. So, yeah, yeah really interesting. Yep, yeah, especially for irrigation and everything. Um, I just get the feeling he's got a lot more stories to tell there. So, um, you know, you get him around after a game of tennis one day and maybe I don't know what his favourite favorite drinkers and I'm sure you'd hear a few more stories coming out and yeah it'd be a, it'd be a man with a few yeah some good character stories so I'm oh, sure. well, oh well good talking to you and we'll catch you next podcast thanks very much